This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome, Narrative Family. We are here with the key master himself, the one and only Samuel Reynolds. And Hello. Thank hey, you. Hey, no, thank you. First of all, uh, I love your shirt. Thank think, you. Yeah, I've seen it's that. It's an organization called the Cosmic Intelligence Agency. So, <laughs> like the 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 uh, was it First Lady's Detective Agency, but sort of like that. But you know, it's it's international and composed of men and women. Okay, and that was an agent for a while in it. An eight was secret agent? What no, nah, I wasn't a secret agent. I was agent 48. Yeah. I have questions. Okay. Yeah, it was it's not that deep. It it okay. was just like a way of you know promoting astrology. Um Julia Simas is a woman who started it in Australia and it's kind of grown to have international reach. And basically they do um uh, various webinars and classes and things like that. And I got this t-shirt. Okay. All right. Just like got on a ride and I got this shirt. All right. right. Cool. Well, welcome. Um, thank you for doing this series. And, and when you mentioned Australia, it seems like a lot of astrology comes out of there in India and in places uh, far flung. And I was thinking if the Aboriginal folk, the original people uh, practice some sort of star stargazing. They did. Um, it wasn't, it's not like our astrology in the sense you know, kind of more about mapping and tracing the heavens through just the calendar. Mm. But the, these were very star adroit and aware people um, using all different elements of the sky, um, especially in terms of navigation, which, you know, goes all the way from Polynesia to Australia, all the way into the Hawaiian islands, which also uses that as well. The, the original folks there originals yes the the, the main yeah so we have a lot of astrology western astrology that comes from australia south africa um is another place where there's a lot of astrology the one place where um i would love to see more astrology even more indigenous astrology coming forth is africa not just south africa right right uh, and you know as you're talking and i know we're going to get into lesson three today but I think, you know, it's important because I'm like, things are just literally unlocking in my mind. I'm thinking about how easy we adopted, how easily we adopted their language and culture, European language and culture, how easily we adopted it, right? Not just in the new world, but in Africa, you go there now, they speak English, most of these, a lot of these countries, you know, they, they learn English, you know, you know, European history, they're wearing uniforms, they're Catholic or they're, you know, it's like, how easy was that, you know? Um, that well, I don't know if it was easy. I mean, there was a lot of brutality in, in, you know, for, through colonialism in revoking and, you know, forgetting your culture. So, I mean, that's just, that's true on the continent and definitely for us here, but on the continent, you know, people were also brutalized there. And so now it's become more standard and people now when they could accept more of their traditions, re they reject them. But yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I would use the word easy. Well, I, I say that on, on purpose, actually, because, you know, I, I look at, you know, having been there, been to the continent, you'd like, and then you look at the map and you're like, wow, you know, to what, 
what planning went into, because you think you got to think they didn't, it wasn't just haphazard. It was like some plan to go in and indoctrinate these folks. So there had to be a methodology by which they used that would make it rinse and repeat in every place that they went, right? Mm-hmm. And so to undo that, the 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 overriding thought, thought that I'm having is to undo that, what would it require? You know, what methodology, what strategy? You know, I think we're doing it here in narrative uh, on some level, but, you know, there has to be a more standardized strategy to decolonize and to undo uh, all of this, in, you know, infection. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, and some of it may be, I mean, what we're discovering here in America, like, you know, things break down. You know, um, the church isn't as powerful in Black life as it was when we were growing up, you know, whether that's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Um, it, it just doesn't have that whole sway. Like we were just talking about Greek letter organizations before that, you know, in terms of related to the, you know, and some may be affinity. I'm an alpha, so don't get too, uh, you know, uptight about it. But, you know, that's part of a colonialist model. And even those Greek letter organizations are not necessarily as big as they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right. So what's happening is that you know, the organizations haven't been willing to shift, including the church, in terms of meeting the demands. And so there are more people going to African traditional religions. There are more people going to just other traditions related to spirituality and coming to astrology. So there's been a growth. Um, And I think that's largely because institutions start to fail because they're not adapting. So maybe that, you know, will happen in Africa, you know, so we'll see. Yes, um, and I think you're right. I, I wish at some point maybe you'll do a chart of the top ten things that are going to fall based on the stars. You know, things that'd that are, be interesting. Yeah, like well, I think well, one thing you know, I, I, you know, just to hark back to that, I, I, I've said this before, said it on your show. Um, you know, even when we we're on the radio, I mean, even though we've had a setback related to policing, um, you know, from 2020. You know, everyone, for a minute, we thought like, yeah, you know, um, we're going to defund the police and then the police got people scared. That was like battle one. That was kind of like Bunker Hill in some some level or Lexington Hill, whichever war you want to talk about or battle from the Revolutionary War. It's not over yet. The police may be one of the systems that will suffer a blow, if not fall. Mm. Well, as you say that, there was a a basketball player named Jackson uh, who had a knee on his neck. Fortunately, he did not die or expire. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you would think, and as I was listening to the story, I'm saying to myself, as a police officer, if you're a police officer right now anywhere, God bless you. I know it's a dangerous job. you're, You're out there putting your life on the line. But I'm thinking George Floyd literally lit the world on fire because that Cretan Derek Chauvin put his knee on that neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds, we now know, wasn't 846. And those other police officers who will get their day in court as well. That flipped this country in many ways. And the world. In the world, but there's a fissure that will never be repaired from that moment. How would you think that you could do that again? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the, I, I can't even describe what is that? mentality that says i'm gonna put my knee on his neck is it defiance is it you can't tell me what to do is it we're still in charge 
It no, could be all sure. those things, but I think it really is an insularity. You know, what I don't think many Americans have fully grasped is that the police are, have created their own culture. And at some point have even, on some level, I might argue, created their own sense of civilization. And most of us aren't in it. So, you know, they are not necessarily going to respond to like what would be normal external stimuli, like at what happened last year with, with George Floyd. So they kind of stay more and more in their bubble and some have even doubled down. So it's much of what you said, but the larger issue is that they're very self-contained and don't feel the need to have to answer to anybody else. And we don't make them really, you know, from the top down because who puts in for most of these cities in the United States, who installs these police chiefs, mayors, and we elect the mayor, but it's gonna be the police chief. And sometimes depending on, even if the mayor changes, as we saw in New York, police chiefs can stay on. Right. And right. so then, you know, in terms of answer, but what about, you know, civilian boards and all, the police are not really listening to them. They don't have to, they take in that information, but everything happens internally. Well, uh, so it won't happen unless we change their charter. Literally, we have to look at the police charter, the charters that were established in the late 19th century, early 20th century for these police to have their particular departments in power and renegotiate how they have their power. If people aren't willing to do that, they won't change. They have no reason to. I just think it's still ridiculous. And this is the LAPD, which has had its uh, long a litany of issues. Uh, oh my God, yeah. LAPD, and uh, this is a, a Center for the New Orleans Pe Pelicans, uh, Jackson Hayes and, and prayers and everything to New Orleans and, and Louisiana uh, in the in the wake of Ida. I pray that everyone gets their power back and that nobody lost their lives, you know, and no one that lost their lives uh, in that hurricane. But, you know, NBA player, they the body cam just came out and uh, last week and he pressed a knee on the neck of Jackson Hayes and the center, he's a center gasp, I can't breathe for seconds before the officer then tased him during a struggle. And there's several officers. So it's not like he's a big guy, but you know, he, he was not armed. And again, the knee on the neck is a thing that I cannot reconcile with because we know that that's problematic. And I don't know how you do that. Even if you're in your bubble, how could you not know that that's a problem? And you know, that's a problem. So you're doing it on purpose is all I can think. And you're right. What are the consequences? What are you going to do to me? Right. Right. You know, other than, and you know, he, this this particular cop may get fired, but what well, what we also know is that some police then end up on the other part of the country, you know, in another police department, or they end up working private security. Um, you know, so it's not like they're, and then they may have, depending on how long this person has been on the force, they have their retirement. You know, if they've been on the force for twenty years, then it's like, ah, oh, you retire. So they have a pension for the rest of their lives. You know, so if we're again, we're not if we're not talking about it on the level of unions and their charter, nothing's going to happen. You know, more like they just need more training, more sensitivity, more diversity. None of that's going to matter. Yeah. Um, and this was a domestic uh, violence situation, which uh, probably required a social worker, somebody that could handle 
uh, you know, people having these kind of crises is not criminal. It, it could be criminal. I mean, it could be an assault situation. Right. That's a- absolutely going to escalate it. Sending somebody in there will put a knee on the neck. I yeah. just can't say that. So, um, so I'm talking about the Pluto return. And so I think this is one of the things, and I've been talking about this for years, even before people were more conscious about what's happening with the police. I'm like, no, they're the fault line because they're the red coats again. You know, in terms of, you know, the United States coming back to its original position, Pluto coming to its original position, they're the redcoats because the redcoats behave the same way. In fact, someone told me, I haven't seen the show myself, but someone uh, told me there's a show on um, AMC called Turn, which I haven't watched it, but yeah, deals with the same issues that Americans face with the redcoats and how they behave and they behave like the police. Interesting. And what happened to them? Just remind us. The, the red coats? Yeah, what happened? What happened? Well, eventually, when you say what happened with them, well, they, we, well, we had the revolution and got rid yeah, of them. But I'm here, I'm here what prompted this. them, they had a series, Britain had a series of quartering acts, which gave them increasing more power uh, affecting the, co- the colonists. For instance, in terms of housing them, um, you know, if any particular colonists had extra space, like in the farm to house them, which also meant you know, allowing them to have access to their resources, food and whatever. Um, You could be stopped and seized, you know, and have your materials seized. You know, that that should sound familiar. People could just shoot you if they felt you were in violation of any of the king's codes. Obviously, you know, we focus more on the taxation without representation, but there were all these different laws that um, that many of them were arbitrary that were coming down and then enforced by the redcoats that more and more colonists came to resent. And the Pluto return, explain that one more time. For so Pluto is going to come back to its exact position as it was when the United States was founded uh, in 1776. It's going to come back to that position. It's been angling toward that for the last few years, but its exact return by degree is in February of 2022. Black History Month. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, then you know, everybody gonna, bitching about Black History Month being in February. Just like then it's going to kind of go back and forth over that point for the next few years, and that becomes really salient as you know dealing with America's fundamental issues related to Pluto, which are power, power dynamics, mm. um, more so plutocracy those who have resources and those who don't. Oh. You know, so all those things. Can we get a new president, another president during that time? Um, well, the only way that would happen legally is if the current president didn't survive. Right. That's what I'm, I'm asking. Is yeah. Part of I, I'm not going to speak on that just okay. yet. All right. All right. I Would mean, you, I, 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 you know. You, you see, you've seen something in the stars there. That's why I'm asking. That's all I'll say. Okay. I, I fine. mean, but. Fine. There, there is a concern, right? Um, but that, you know, I mean, that could be a separate topic. The United States, you know, people are kind of like, oh, this whole thing with COVID and then the quarantine versus the, I mean, I mean, sorry, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated only. This is just the, the beginning, you know, not even the beginning. This is the middle of some issues that have been brewing. We might even say since Operation Wall Street, right? Um, not Operation, what is Occupation Wall Street. Um, these things have been brewing and we're going to see more of them. Now, again, like I said, the fault line is related to the police because the police 
become instruments of control. Um, the question is, as the instruments of control, are they going to be able to maintain that level of control? And I think more and more people um, may be fed up with them. And people, and I know this has been a debate. I've even had that a little bit on your, you know, YouTube feed. You know, some people just think, oh, well, you know, I was with him, you know, talking about me until he talked about, you know, kind of the police operating and intimidating judges and DAs, but they do. You know, the people that we trust and we elect to believe that are authority figures, they often get punked by the police. The police are acting more and more as their own culture and even dare say their own civilization. And why I say civilization? Because there's a lot of things that happen internationally between different police departments and organizations that, you know, give license to the police to act as they will. And that, you know, right now we've been focused on us as black folk, but I predicted 10 years ago, because I've been talking about this on Twitter for almost 11, if not 12 years, um, they're going to kill more and more white people too, right? Not that I think that should be like, then that's when things should really change. It should change even when anyone's really dying, but they're going to kill more white people. That's, I told them that they're going to come for you more too. They don't care. You're not one of them. Interesting. Even if they're, and people are like, well, we need more diversity. Doesn't matter. You can have a black cop that'll kill another black person. Um, or even, you know, black, you know, the only thing that gets more severe is that, you know, we have Derek Chauvin, but when that black, um, I believe, Eritrean cop. Yeah, nor, nor, yeah. Killed that white woman nor. by accident. He was under the jail already within. Quickly. Yep. So, yeah. no, it's still, it, you know, they will make sacrifices or they will, you know, kind of have sacrificial lambs, but they're keeping their order the way they want to keep it. All right. I can go on because I've been studying about the police for a long time. Maybe we should do a whole lesson on that, but this is just a taste of it. Yeah, it and, uh, those of you who are not narrative members, uh, you're not going to see what's coming next because we're going to cut off the video. But uh, Sam is here today. And let me say thank you again for doing these lessons in narrative uh, to help people understand astrology, but also kind of what the appetite of folk who might want to pursue this uh, and learn how to do this more. You have whole courses that you teach on unlockastrology.com. And um, if you want a reading, Sam's there, uh, unlockastrology.com. All right, lesson three. Yeah, so we're going to get into, let me just, um, can you see my whole screen? Because it's can. just a green line. Nope, I can see it. It's big. Okay, so this is, okay. Oh, wait, no, I, it, it is cut yeah, off. Yeah, let me it, just yeah, fix cut it. Off. Yeah, you have to. It's, oh, there we go. The yeah, but this is not the whole screen. Okay, all right. All right, can you see it now? I can see unlocking, unlock astrology, unlock yourself. And now a simple way to build the basis for astrology is said to be. Okay, great, alhamdulillah. All right, so this is a slide I've shown multiple times and going back, because I like to illustrate that what you have almost in miniature is a whole course and outline for it. But today we're going to talk about what can we understand about the signs themselves. And so I wanted to give a little more attention to the signs because what we've talked about already, um, we, we talked about the general ideas of astrology to talk about the planets. And now we're talking more about the signs. And most people, 
know astrology through the signs and they think that's the heart of astrology. Now, in my zeal to transcend what I call signology, I have somewhat de-emphasized the signs, but the signs are still important and they give us ways to understand more the planets and what the planets are trying to speak um, and say through us. You know, some say this is more about uh, the, the signs being more adjectival and kind of giving us more a, a, a clearer sense and description of things. So what I would say, especially going into this, is simplify your idea of them. The signs are more based on elements, modality, which is whether it's cardinal, mutable, fixed sign, uh, with the extra notion of them, some being more receptive, what we call night, um, um, night rulerships for planets or day rulerships of a planet. Uh, so that's kind of what I would embrace. And here's a good definition of the Zodiac from these two great authors, Luis Ribeiro and Helena Avalar, uh, Portuguese authors. They say, it is from the combination of the natures of the five planets and the luminaries, the sun and the moon, with the 12 basic qualities, the signs of the signs, that all diversity of expression in nature are derived. This expression may trans be translated into various forms, human behavior, climactic variations, worldly events. So it's not that signs are not important. In fact, they're very important in describing more the unfurling of how nature manifests itself but it's the planets that give us more the sense of how this happens. Uh, it's one thing, so for instance, right now I'm using sounds. Like if you didn't know English, it just may sound like right? But I'm using words. These words by using pauses give a sense of distinction that those who speak this language understand. So the planets are always in motion, but what gives us the quality by which we can understand what's happening with these particular planets at particular times is the zodiac. So earlier we were just talking about Pluto in Capricorn. Now Pluto has been in set was in Sagittarius. He was in Scorpio before that, and he was in different signs. But coming back to this this particular position in Capricorn gives us not only some sense related to timing, but the quality of what Pluto may be dealing with by being in a sign of Capricorn or a sign of Saturn. It might be best to think of the zodiac as more fluid, though recognizing one moment um, as distinct from another, like the hour markers on a clock. You know, one o'clock is not two o'clock, three o'clock is not five. And the other thing I like to say is every sign answers the challenges and issues of the one before it. So it's a way of thinking like how there's a maturation or there is the unfurling, unveiling of a key story or the story of God becoming God during the year or humanity becoming human. Take your pick, you know, it doesn't matter to me. So what do I mean by every sign answers the one before? One illustration is that in Leo, Leo may rely a lot more on raw talent, power, heart, um, the key idea of like, I'm just being me, I'm just allowing it to flow. Whereas Virgo, the sign that's ruled by Mercury that comes right after Leo, gives us a sense of like, okay, yeah, you're just using that raw power, but how could you better refine it? How could you better be more efficient in the manifestation of your energy? Um, you know, this isn't popular 
with people, but I'll give it as an illustration. You know, Whitney was a Leo who had a lot of raw power, but she always, she wasn't always a very good caretaker of her voice. And she had definitely a remarkable, if not singular in a generation voice. In contrast, Beyonce, I think, is actually a very good singer, maybe not on the level of, say, Whitney and Beyonce's a Virgo. But what you'll notice is that the rigor by which she maintains her voice and kind of has cultivated her voice and talent is more very Virgoan, more meticulous, more in terms of detailing how she maintains that. So it's what Virgo may have done, like to, to Leo. And if, you know, if we had Whitney a little longer, or she had been able to deal with herself a little better, she might've been a better caretaker of her voice. So with Virgo, we have that answer. And then getting away from that, like, okay, yeah, we, we've now cataloged and described all that, but what does it mean in relation to people? How does this balance out? How do we weigh this in terms of the distribution between one thing to another? Then we go more into Libra. So we can go, through each sign. I'm not going to do that for everyone, but that's the, the general idea. The other big thing I want people to draw from understanding about signs, you are not one single sign. You are the whole zodiac in different proportions. So a lot of people saying like, oh, like to say, I'm a Taurus. I'm a Scorpio. It's almost like they're waving gang signs and like, yo, you know, <laughs> I'm Scorpio, right? And I get it. You are, you are identifying some of the traits that are associated with a particular sign with the idea of your being um, and mainly through what we might say as your sun sign. And a lot of people think that's what astrology is. It isn't. It's recognizing that you have different proportions of yourself as reflected through the zodiac. So as an example, yes, I have a sun in Scorpio. But many might see more the moon in Leo and think like, well, I thought you were a Leo, the way you're so loud, right? So that might be some dimension of the Leo that they're seeing. Or, you know, I see you as a very spiritual person, maybe dreamlike, blah, blah, blah. That's my Pisces rising. But I also have a Venus in Libra, Mars in Capricorn. I have these different elements. And what astrology and an astrologer does is look at the composition of these different factors, signs, and how they blend together to give us a description, an idea, a trajectory of a person. So again, you know, you have the whole zodiac in you. It's just that you may have some things more emphasized than others. So here's a way in which we can envision the zodiac as representative of different body parts, also of different elements in psyche. You see that there are also different months that tie in. Um, so, the Zodiac, as I said, and what I quoted from Avalar and Ribeiro, ties in all these different aspects of our being and way of being. So there's some general things I want people to keep in mind. And I am talking about at least five ways by which you can consider why a sign has the significations that it does, or I should say the meanings that it does. Because some might say like, Let's pick on Pisces. Oh, you're such a dreamer. Now, why is Pisces a dreamer? So, and many can't answer that. So it's like, well, that's what I've observed. It's not, the observations may come from your biases, right? Because a lot of people may think, you know, for instance, Torians are lazy, 
right? And it's just kind of what I, you never heard that. You never, I know you heard. never heard that. Oh my God, I hear it all the time. People will, from who? From various people who claim to study astrology or memes or talk about it. Oh, they're lazy, not recognizing that you know one that could just be your own bias, and you know just from the limited number of people you you know. So you might I might I have asked people. I'm like, well, how many Torians do you know? Well, I know my sister and my mother is a Taurus and my oh, cousin's boyfriend. I'm take it personal. Hold up, hold up. So um, the hardest working man in show business? James Brown. What was his sign? Taurus. Okay. Just Janet Jackson. I'm just, I just need to ask these certain questions. Oh, I can, I, I'm not saying I agree with that. Barbara, Barbara Streisand. I don't know. I'm just. Oh, we can go on. Malcolm X, you know. Um, lazy, lazy. I'm hard. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled by that. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I, look, I thought you might be, but I'm surprised you haven't heard that before. Never heard. Well, no one would say that to my face. Right. I got 80 jobs. I wish you would. Right. I work so, me. That, that's always my. That. And they will claim it. But the key thing is understanding why in these five things that I focus in on, the day or night house of a planet, it's modality and quadruplicity by quality. Science can relate to a location, whether on the body or the body of the earth, you know, particular places on earth. And rulership is based on geometry, not ratio or and ratio, not affinity, um, which goes back to something I, I mentioned when talking about the planets before the Dema Mundi. I'm not going to repeat myself, but people think, oh, Venus rules Taurus because Venus is like Taurus. And it's more so it wasn't by affinity. We could say that Taurus has some of the significations of Venus because of how we designate rulership starting from the sun and moon and oscillating between the fastest planet to the next fastest and then also in terms of the gender of each sign. So Venus actually rules also Libra and Taurus, but the reason we see it is because right after Mercury is Venus and right after Mercury again is Venus and it goes on and, and over. So it's not just about like, well, I think Pluto rules Scorpio because, you know, Pluto um, seems to work as the ruler of Scorpio, one, and then two, uh, it, they have a similar nature. That's not the origination of how the designation for rulership came about. So why don't we start with the first sign of the zodiac? And that's Aries. And there's a question often like, well, why is Aries? Well, that's um, from the part of the world where we come the origination or comes the origination of astrology, which is usually related to Babylon, the Iraq, Iranian you know, uh, framework. Spring was seen as the beginning of life where life kind of resurfacing. So that's one of the reasons why Aries has almost been universally from astrology's beginning as the first sign of the zodiac, even when it was called the hireling um, from Babylonian times. So this is a day house of Mars, meaning when I say day, I don't literally mean day. I just mean that this is more of the, you could translate it as the summer home of Mars. Um, it's cardinal, so it starts things. It's action-oriented and driven. It's hot and dry as a fire sign, what we talked about elements during the first class. And so what I also like to say for each of the signs, especially this as a fire sign, 
we're going to be dealing with identity whenever we talk about a fire sign, how we identify, how we have a sense of being separate yet inspired by something, something unique to us. So it symbolizes the moment of identifying passionately. You know, these are the people who want to say like, you know, I just love Karen Hunter. Will you do, you know, yeah, I just listened to the show once, but I love it. And I tell all my friends about it. Well, why haven't you listened to it again? I've been busy. I've been doing things. You know, even Aries might talk like that, passionate. You know, um, I'm usually excited to have some Aries clients because when they book with me, they start telling all their friends, you know, and bringing people. So there's a lot of passion, you know, and it deals with these particular themes. I am incarnation, the sense of beginnings. You know, sometimes Aries struggles with the middle and the end of things and finishing product, products and, and products, but that's one particular thing. Distinction and separation. You know, I am not like this. I am more this. Assertion and aggression can also be some of the things as a sign of, of Mars. Having personality and being known for their sense of personality and being somehow, you know, like Diana Ross, who can forget Aries, Diana Ross, or, you know, Jill Scott as also an Aries. They also represent the idea of the warrior and entrepreneur in terms of doing things and making it happen. Taurus is the night house of Venus, meaning that it's more receptive, the winter house, if you want to say. And remember, when I make this distinction between day and night, you could say day is more assertive, quote unquote, masculine, and night is more receptive or quote unquote, feminine. Again, I'm trying to avoid the engendering that we use often in astrology uh, because it, it gets rigid in our minds. So it's just known as the night house of Venus, more receptive. It's fixed. It's the quality of earth, which is cold and dry. <clears throat> and when we're talking about an earth sign, we're talking about form. So I say Taurus is the moment of symbol or symbolizing the forming of attachments how we have particular things that become associated with us like this, this mind. You might say Aries is where the baby kind of learns um, me and then Taurus is like, but this is mine, right? Where we have the attachments to things, whether that's of the sensual world, because I don't want to go with the stereotype that Taurians are just materialistic. It's not, you know, you can meet many Taurians who have forsworn having lots of things, but, you know, appreciating being sensual, being in their bodies, taking care of their bodies, um, appreciating lovely things, those things may be very important for Taurus. So there's a passionate identification coming from Aries that solidifies into attachment to form, being in your body, appreciating that you have, you know, um, shape, you know, you have quality, you have senses that you enjoy, being practical, what makes sense. Sometimes, yes, that fixity or stubbornness, strength. Um, we might also say concealed passion. So many Torians may have a very strong sense of height and control. And people may say like, well, why? Because I have a beast raging within me and I don't need to have everyone know that and share that. Um, so there's a strong sense of, you know, that level of inner control that may come come forward. So it's not the externalized sense of passion for Aries as much as more contained. So uh, storage places are often linked with 
uh, Taurus, you know, like silos, banks, or safes, because that relates to all those things that we talked about, where we kind of keep our treasures. We might even say Taurus is a treasure, and I'm not just saying this because Karen is here, but I often have said that sometimes when you feel like you're holding a Taurus, you're holding like a, a treasure, that you have the earth right in your hands. And that, I do not mean that literally because we're talking about it as an earth sign. Gemini. Gemini is different from Taurus, right? We went from fixity and having things go a certain way and stability where we go into things changing. So it symbolizes the moment of learning primary, or we could say prime, social engagements and understandings. And when I say primary or prime, I might say the word may be more basic or it may be more just kind of keeping the level of information. Um, you know, the idea of Gemini might be, you know, Gemini's write books like Cornell West, but in terms of keeping like ideas moving and keeping things flowing, because that's what Gemini wants to do. It just want to, it doesn't want to deal with just the fixity of earth. It's an air sign, it's hot and wet, it's mutable, it's changeable. Um, Mercury in an active sign, day house, is also active. So Gemini wants to kind of create things like, so we have Prince who kind of was constantly creating. I mean, there's still vaults of his music that haven't been released. So some of the things that we talked we talk about here, there's a lot of thinking, heightened use of the of the mind to engage the environment, quick encounters with interests, um, registers primacy to ideas or interest over emotional considerations. And what that this what that means, because some people interpret this wrongly, I think, it doesn't mean Gemini's don't have emotions. Because uh, a lot of people think like, oh, they just don't have feelings. What they may give is more primacy to what seems rational as an air sign, what makes not just sense, but where they can risk, where they can risk more exploration than just kind of what the shoulds and safety features that was with Taurus and what other people say, well, you shouldn't do that. So Gemini, you might tell a Gemini like, well, you know, that guy on the motorcycle is a bad boy. Hmm, they might be curious, like, well, what might it be like to hang out with a bad boy? What might happen? Now, then the heart gets involved, like, yeah, it was really horrible. I, you know, he just, all kinds of strange things happen. They may later um, regret that, but still curiosity is what also can drive them. So their lesson is learning to integrate the mind with the heart, um, and that's really the duality. People like to say, you know, about Gemini, they're two-faced it, even though it's just two-faced. Um, or that there are two people in one, not recognizing it's really more the dynamic between the mind and the heart, between what seems to be safety and consensual and what other people are afraid to talk about and, and say, as versus willing to take the risk um, and engage that. That's more so the heart and idea of Gemini. Then in answer, going back to safety, security is cancer. It's the only house of the moon. The moon does not have a day or a night house. It is cardinal in terms of taking action. It is a water sign. So it's nature is cold and wet dealing with the quality of emotion. And I would say caretaking and, and in more so exploring inner worlds and sentiments and ideas. Uh, it symbolizes the moment of nurturing origins, like where we begin, whether that's a sense of home, family, culture, and emotional securities, and what helps us feel emotionally 
and even somewhat financially safe. So emotions can often be concealed, indirect, or inchoate, not fully shaped or formed. Um, so I often have, have observed that many cancers develop high emotional intelligence, even though sometimes people think like they're moody and some will even dare say crazy and things like that. Um, but really by virtue of having to make sense of all the things that are turning within them, they've had to learn to contemplate what's happening. So they may be the first to say, well, you're angry. No, I'm not. I'm not angry, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they can recognize anger because they've seen it and studied it and examined it within themselves. They're often interested in caretaking and having a sense of respons responsibility for others. They can be sentimental as a water sign and definitely as a sign of the moon in terms of um, remembering others, remembering um, and being caught up in their memories. Um, they often have very strong memories, very good memories. So for instance, I was talking to a particular person who was able to recount uh, right off the bat, like particularly other people's birthdays in her family and even her boyfriend's family. So that I was like, oh, I'm thinking you're a cancer. And, oh yeah, I'm a cancer. That's, that's something that often registers with them. You know, that sentimentality can fuel a lot of memory. Strongly influenced by one's roots, like family, heritage, a nation and ethnicity can have a strong attachment to the idea of the mother and parenting. So we might remember that when George W. Bush was president, who is a cancer, when someone asked him, you know, about going into Iraq and speaking of Saddam Hussein, he's like, he tried to kill my daddy. That sounded like a real cancer statement. Leo. Leo is the only house of the sun. It is fixed, just like Taurus, um, which means that it is more about concerned with the management of, let's say, a season if we're using the tropical zodiac, but it's more so the idea of holding things in place so that things don't change readily. So it can also be very stubborn and going along a sense of purpose. It can be hot and dry, or it is hot and dry as a fire sign. And remember, Fire signs deal with the moment of identity. So it symbolizes the moment of dignifying, projecting identity. What does that mean? Dignifying means rather than just going, saying, I am me, it's like valuing, sensing the dignity, having the inherent sense of value and holding the sense of value of having a self. You know, it's also where by, by valuing the sense of self and holding the space for the sense of self, you feel like you can project it, um, cast it to others, share it with others. Like, well, who are you? I, I'm Samuel F. Reynolds, of course. You know, some may say that there's a certain level of arrogance that happens with Leo, but really it's having enough sense of self to know that I'm not just part of the herd. It's more so recognizing that I value that sense of self. And one illustration I might give on a very rudimentary level is even like a bug. You may say like a bug, how is that embracing a dynamic sense of Leo? And I know this may sound very graphic and I, you know, I apologize somewhat, but if you've ever been in a position of, you know, trying to kill a bug or even something as lowly to say as a mouse, what's profound is everything fights for its life. And you may say like, well, you know, it's just a bug or it's this little creature. It doesn't know that. 
values its life. And that's really the power of Leo, of honoring what has been given to you. Because as the raw power of the sun or ruled by the sun, it's acknowledging the beauty of life itself. So this represents the king and queen or royalty, the sense of what is romantic, um, feeling special and acknowledging since your specialness. And that really is at the heart of romance. You're not romancing someone if you're not trying to make them feel special. If it's about you feeling special, that's not real romance. Self-expression, education as personal development as a way of kind of developing and growing more oneself, the star and the idea of the star, using the force of will as a fixed sign and strong in areas where acknowledgement, appreciation and adoration are compulsory. So that's often what may draw a Leo influenced person, the stage, movies, the love bed being, you know, in the bed for, with sex and classrooms. We're halfway there. So now we're in Virgo season, for example. So here's Virgo. It is in contrast to Gemini, the night or receptive house of Mercury, which means it's gonna be much more involved and interested in subtle, more internal, maybe even again as an earth sign, things that are more tangible than rather what's buzzing in the head. It's cold and dry as an earth sign. It symbolizes the moment of preparing, discerning, and training the form. A lot of people think Virgo is about perfectionism. The real impulse for Virgo is how do I make something more efficient? How do I have something as more the cultivation of a particular form, whether that's my voice, whether that's how you're presenting yourself? So yes, they can be, as I mentioned here, into critique and analysis, but it usually comes from a place of trying to make something more efficient, better, readier, um, and have more sense of preparation and orientation toward work and service. Now, the problem that can happen with Virgo, they can get caught up in that level of critique and then also never feeling they are ready. So for instance, well, I could have an MBA. I also have a PhD in organizational management. I have all this, um, I have 15 years of experience, uh, but, when I look at this listing for the job and some of the qualities, even though like anyone else would say like you're almost nearly overqualified, a Virgo was like, well, maybe I'm not ready for that job. So there's a way in which they may never feel like they're fully up to snuff. So they have to learn how to turn down their critique and turn up, turn up more their thermostat for achievement and letting things go um, to remember more the vestiges of Leo of you know, having that sense of dignity rather than focusing on what they don't have or what someone else doesn't have. Libra, in contrast to Taurus, this is the day house of Venus, which is more the assertive sense of Venus, cardinal, wanting to be more social. And it's not about form or the forms of things like Virgo was or Taurus, it's social. It's symbolizing the moment of reaching for social rationality and proportion. That's something that we also talked about with Gemini right quick, uh, dealing with social engagement. So learning to the idea of connecting with others. And it doesn't mean that Libras are perforce extrovert, extroverted or always being social. 
as much as thinking about how does one thing around them or in their environment relate to another, whether that's in relationship or the idea of justice or beauty, because beauty aesthetics is ultimately about rationality, the ratio between things. You know, like if we're talking about the beauty of the face, the angles of the cheekbones, um, the jawline and how the construction of the jaw, depending on the culture, the relationship of the forehead to the rest of the face. So all these things become the way by which we understand beauty. And Libra is very much interested in the proportion between things. People like to talk about Libra as more about balancing. It's deeper than balancing because it doesn't mean it's always about everything being equitable as much as being proportionate, you know, in terms of one thing meeting the other and whether that one is going too far or, um, so I would say the better word rather than just balance um, inequality is equitability. One person may need uh, more of an adjustment, you know, to do things than another in order to kind of reach the same level. So the dynamic between self versus others, partnerships, diplomacy. Um, one interesting thing is the idea of measuring, going back to ratio is often important to Libra because that's where we get Libris, um, which is where we have shortened for LBS and using the, the royal system of pounds. And that also relates to the idea of books, you know, again, in terms of knowledge, proportion, because um, you know, we see that in Spanish with libros uh, for books. And that relates to the idea of how we have the proportion of understanding things. Um, one other last thing I'll say is that Libra, because it's looking at the proportion and attempting to do so rationally, gets very much into, into decision-making. And sometimes that also can be a challenge for Libra until Libra makes up their mind because they are a cardinal sign. At some point, they will make up their minds, but sometimes you might have to help them with that. Have the, the bisque if you're trying to figure out what you're gonna have for lunch. I'm just making that up, but just to give you an idea. And sometimes I'll just say this for some people who struggle like with helping Libras deal with that indecision. Libras on some level don't also like to be told what to do. So if you kind of suggest something, I go, okay, well, I'll say get the bisque or get the, um, the uh, beef tortillas, right? Then they'll go with like, okay, I'm gonna have the coleslaw. That will help them come to a decision. Scorpio is, we talked about first the day house of Mars. This is the night, so it's more receptive, more internal. So, and as a water sign and a fixed sign, it's trying to establish a sense of purpose along the trajectory related to water, which is more emotions, more the more subtle aspects of life. So it's dealing with creating emotional certainty and self-determination. So the uncertainty that we may have felt in the dynamism of air and Libra comes to like feeling a strong sense of emotional certainty and sense of like, I know what I like and all these things that are usually associated with the intensity of Scorpio is from the need of this moment, from the need for this sign. So the sign's connection to sex organs comes from its rulerships over the genitals. So Scorpio is assigned that body part. Um, I didn't go over that with every sign, like Libra actually is associated with the buttocks and kidneys. Um, but what I'll say, because people love to say about Scorpio, like, ah, oh, some freaks, sex freaks, 
you know, and it's not really, I, I would say, largely true for all Scorpios. There are definitely some Scorpios who have that emotional sensitivity related to finding intimacy through actual sexual activity. But I think much of our ways of talking about sometimes some of the signs comes from their associations, like Aries is associated with the head, but no one says like, oh, you're the philosophers. So people think, oh, Scorpio rules the genitals. So then they're always just thinking about just sex, which is not necessarily true. Um, there's a depth of, of, of life and mystery. Scorpio wants to kind of plunge to understand the depths of what's happening in the world. And they suspect that things are not fully on the surface or on the table in terms of understanding what's happening in the world. There's an emotional defensiveness that sometimes can creep up with Scorpio. Um, some will read this as a need for secrecy and then even paranoia, which may be some of those things, but that's informed again by the strong need for self-determination and the fear that others may have power over them or impact them. This harks back to something that even is influenced by the arachnid for which Scorpio is named, which is the scorpion. And what's interesting about the scorpion is that when a scorpion is faced with essentially a no-win scenario or a situation in which it doesn't feel like it can liberate itself, it will end its own life. It will sting itself to death. So some measure of the self-destructive tendency that may emerge for Scorpio is where they lose some sense of perspective like Libra has for some, you know, some sense and get more into the emotional certainty of what they think the truth is rather than still being open to possibility because they want to determine things more on their own rather than life, some random person, their mother, father, husband, partner, whoever, determine their life chances. Um, when I say psychic clearinghouse, there's a lot that Scorpio is processing, whether you believe in karma or not. Some may say that it's dealing with a lot of internal churning conflicts that happen, again, because it is the nature of Mars and Mars deals with conflict. So that intensity that we're talking about is really a need for self-possession that keeps a lot of emotion churning. Sagittario, right? Uh, Sagittarius is the day house of Jupiter. And so it's dealing with the need for exploring, opening up horizons, coming from the tightness sometimes that happens with Mars into wanting to expand and experience more the world as it is. It is a mutable sign, so it's changeable, dealing with variety and appreciating the variety of things. It is a fire sign. So as a fire sign, it's going to be dealing with the quality of identity, just like Leo and Aries did. But this is more so through inspiration and ideas. It wants to diffuse, you know, the quality of identity in terms of diffuse and infuse it into others, whether sharing that through their thoughts, letting their opinions fly, which sometimes may not be refined, um, letting their sense of truth, however they see truth, to kind of come forth, come forward. So Sagittarius also deals with the concept of broad broadness of mind, thought, travel. They want more intellectual certainty than just the emotional certainty. So, you know, for a Sagittarius looking at Scorpio is like, yeah, lighten up. 
and then they may get more intense related to a particular idea or philosophy or thing that they they certainly think could be instrumental in a belief of freedom and appreciating the general idea of freedom. Social construction of idea forms like universities, publishers, religions, broadcast stations, wanting to have the sense of vision and wisdom and appreciating wisdom. The challenge of transforming passion into single pointed action. Now, the reason why I say it's a challenge because Sagittarius is one of the few signs, if not the only sign that has a weapon. And that is actually an arrow, right? And uh, I would say a bow and an arrow. So sometimes you may have noticed that many Sagittarians may meander and kind of venture off literally or even with the storytelling, but they have to kind of learn like, well, what's the point? What's the focus? Again, that's almost like a reaction to Scorpio, which sometimes might be too singularly focused. So Sagittarius is like, I want to kind of broaden out from that. But it has to remember that lesson in order to kind of find like, okay, what's the point? I have also found that sometimes with Sagittarius, like they'll go on like, then I went to the market and there was all this like, okay, yes, you've been talking for now 15 minutes, but what's the point of your story? So that's where I say it's the challenge. Truth telling as they see and understand truth. I know that this wasn't very popular when we talked about that on uh, the YouTube channel, but truth sometimes for Sagittarians can seem flexible because they understand by virtue of examining the sense of identity themselves that can be multifaceted. Capricorn. Capricorn is the night house, or we could say the receptive factor of Saturn. It is also a cardinal sign in the tropical zodiac. It starts signs or it starts a season. It is an earth sign. So it's gonna be very much attentive to form. So what I say is that it symbolizes the moment of caretaking and evolving into your or something's destiny and destination. So, um, you know, I guess this is influenced by Dragon Ball Z or by Pokemon when we say like, I am in my final form. So Capricorn is trying to find the final form of something you know, some way in which it gives shape and being responsible in some way that helps something or somebody or some situation come to fruition, um, to reach the mountaintop. It is no accident that Capricorn Martin Luther King Jr. for his final speech has said, I've seen the mountaintop, I've been to the promised land. So it's almost as if he was channeling like the, the thrust and power of Capricorn in that April 3rd, 1968 speech that he gave in Tennessee, in Memphis. It's a way of talk about, talking about what Capricorn is really about, evolving more so into the sense of what, you know, carrying their cross, whatever that may be, you know, their material circumstances into something that transmutes into excellence, um, that transmutes into opening some measure of, of pathways either for power for them or practicality or some way in which it um, leads to something that will last because that is also a very strong interest of Saturn, things that hold on and, and keep forward. So Capricorn isn't just a goat, it's a sea goat. It's the process of going from, you know, from the sea all the way to what 
can scale mountains. So it is about that level of what we might say is ambition, but ambition is just how we talk about it when we're talking about career or in social terms. But the word I might better use is evolve. And then the day house of Saturn, the more assertive element of it, of the penultimate sign of the zodiac, Aquarius, uh, is Aquarius. Um, is It's fixed. It's another fixed sign like Leo, like Scorpio, like Taurus. So it's more geared toward purpose, but it's an air sign. It's hot and wet. So it symbolizes the moment of maintaining personal integrity while creating greater social integration, meaning it wants to kind of foster the sense of, you know, who you are and who I am or a person is as, you know, in the sense of identity to some degree, your integrity, but how you integrate that in a larger social order, how we're also taking those people, those situations that might be more on the perimeter and bringing them more to the center. So they can be very idealistic people. Um, they may love people based on inherent worth and not socially imposed categories, whether they're quote unquote rich or poor. Uh, they're innovators and love to innovate by way of demonstrating their own personal integrity and special sauce by also blending that with others, connecting and collaborating. Values group dynamics over just intimate dynamics because they're an air sign, a sign of Saturn. So sometimes, you know, it goes with the phrase, you know, I love humanity. It's sometimes people I can't stand, right? The, the intimacies, the knowing, the kind of frailties, the picadillos, all these different things, that may sometimes be the struggle for Aquarius. Self-confidence is challenged as it dreads the Leo ego fixation, ends up with a pendulum swing. Sometimes they may overcompensate by not feeling like they're really hooked into the general order. So they may even draw a bigger ego. I mean, it's an interesting thing to see like with Aquarius Sarah Palin as an example. They value the concept and idea of human freedom and dignity, but one of the challenges as a sign of Saturn and an organizing principle is that they feel, they may sometimes feel they have the right answer. So they may like the idea of freedom more than really dealing with the, the real complications and issues of freedom. Um, sometimes it may be like, everyone can kind of do their own thing as long as they kind of listen to what I say. Last but not least is Pisces, the night house of Jupiter, which is more internal, more receptive. It is also a mutable sign like the other sign of Jupiter, Sagittarius. It is cold and wet, a water sign. And it symbolizes the moment of complex and changeable emotional truths flowing toward identity, where you start to begin to coalesce all the the jangly discords of oneself into you know all your different feelings and you're trying to make more sense of them the water signs are really trying to make sense more of themselves from the inside out which may lead them toward having a strong interest in transcendence um, and by virtue of all these different complex and competing aspects of themselves they sometimes may feel like no place is home um, except maybe the realm of the spirit or somewhere else, um, maybe into movies or something like that, or into dreams, or even sometimes as people associated with, with him, um, drugs. 
subject to emotional fluctuations. They are very much into the sense of vibe of things. So there's a way in which they perceive things on a psychic sensitive levels that others may not perceive. And because they know that there's a sacrifice that's necessary in order to kind of become their best selves, they can be quick to sacrifice themselves, um, martyrdom. And I don't mean like, you know, racing out in the street to like to save babies. It could be like where they may try to do too much, you know, like, um, you know, they might be the people at the office like, well, yeah, I make the coffee in the morning. I get the donuts. I make sure everything is ready in terms of everybody else's particular jobs. And I do all this and I do this without anyone ever thanking me, blah, blah. But no one asked you to do all that. So you may say, like, well, why do they do that? Because they feel a certain level of responsibility to kind of take all these turning emotions and synthesize them and, and do more for others. But sometimes they have to also understand the lesson of Virgo, the polarity, that that requires discernment. That requires you reading the room and understanding what really is going on, not just perceiving what you want to see. Since it's the cycle of existence and realizing that all things change. Speaking of which, that brings us to the close of how we're talking about the signs, just to give you a little sense of each of them. Next, we're gonna talk about the aspects and how the aspects when planets are in particular signs inform how they relate to each other. So with that said, thank you. This is how you can contact me. Um, unlockastrology at gmail.com, unlockastrology.com, and on social media, how you can connect with me. All right. All right, you're muted. I, would, I would wanted to be quiet while you were doing that. I just want to say thank Sorry. you, uh, as always. And if you want to take this journey to become an astrologer, uh, Samuel is actually offering classes to do that as well. So this is just a, uh, a not a, a introductory. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm going to start classes probably next month. Okay. Um, well, I shouldn't say next month, not September, October. I just feel like we're in September already, but in October. Okay, well, Ashe, uh, have a wonderful, thank you, uh, blessed day, and uh, love you immensely, and we'll see you uh, lesson four. Uh, lesson four, see you then. Bye.